Tim. Great, my name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at King's. It's my privilege to um, lead the team. Um, start by just saying Happy Easter to you all. Um, anyone had any Easter eggs yet? I'm sort of trying to look out and see if I can see any sort of green faces. Anyone who may have had one Easter egg too many already today? Um, any of your children had too many Easter eggs already today? You know, they're sort of uh, E-numbered right up, lots of chocolate rolling around in their tummies. And, and we just really want to do you guys some more good, so we're going to send them out on the field. They can collect another Easter egg, eat it before lunch, go totally green, not eat any of their lunch, and probably feel a little bit ill for the rest of the afternoon. So, do you know, as a church, we just want you to uh, have a really fun Easter day. Um, so, so certainly, I mean, obviously, parents, just the fact you're not getting an Easter egg doesn't mean that you don't get to tramp, tramp around the field in the mud when it's tipping down with rain, okay? So we do expect to see you out there smiling as well, okay, and, and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying yourselves. Brilliant. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to John chapter 11. Um, if you don't have your Bibles, don't worry, the words will come up on the screen um, behind me. I don't know what happens when you face difficulties, but often when I face, particularly when I face big difficulties, it, it causes me to um, reevaluate life a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm maybe looking on the inside for a bit of extra strength, or maybe I'm going to friends to try and see if they can support me a bit um, through this season of difficulty. Um, because it's often at that point where you feel that your own resources have failed. I don't know if you've ever, you ever feel you've, you've faced a situation like that where actually the, the obstacle is so big, you just think, I don't know how I'm going to find a way through. I don't know how I'm going to endure the next few months through a loss of a bereavement or through, um, through, through a relational difficulty or, or a situation at work where... I don't know, my boss is just being so difficult, I don't know my way through on this. But often when we, we face these difficulties, we do look on the inside to see what is it that's sustaining me? What is it that keeps me going? What, what is it that's going to help me through? In some ways often it's these difficulties that sort of puncture the veneer of our lives. Veneer is like a thin strip of wood that, that you put over something that doesn't look that nice in order to make it look attractive. So the doors in the auditorium, they're veneered. You give them a good kick, and you find that the... I wouldn't, by the way, please don't do that. But you give them a good kick, and you find out that there isn't much beneath the veneer. That sustains. Actually, it looks all good and shiny and strong on the outside, but actually when the pressure comes, you actually find that it's not quite as strong as you thought it was. And I don't know, I'm, I'm sure many of you... Um, like myself, have been in circumstances where actually your, your own self-sufficiency, your own resources actually run out quite quick. And it causes you to think, how, how do I survive? How am I going to find a way through? And John chapter 11 is exactly that situation. We come across a family who, who faces a really difficult time and they turn to Jesus to find out if he's got the answer. Can Jesus help them in this circumstance that they find themselves in? And what we're going to look at as we look through John chapter 11, we're going to look at it in three um, particular sections plus a little bit of an introduction. We're going to look at who is Jesus, does he care, and can he help? 
So that's what we're going to be looking at as we work our way through John chapter 11. So if you've got your Bibles open, John chapter 11 verse 1, we're going to read the first six verses. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. This story takes place um, in the last few weeks of Jesus' life, just before he was crucified, before he was buried, before he rose again. And this is an incredible rescue story. It's full of emotion, grief, misunderstanding, and wonder. And it goes from sadness to joy um, in moments. Some of you already, I know, know the end of the story, but some of you here today may not be aware of it. The main people involved is, is Jesus, then you've got Lazarus and his two sisters, Martha and Mary. And as we've read, Lazarus gets sick and his sisters send for Jesus. And they send for Jesus for two reasons. One, because Jesus was a family friend. They, they knew him well. But the second reason they sent for Jesus is because he was a miracle worker. For the last two or three years, he had been healing people, people who couldn't speak, they have an encounter with Jesus and they can speak. People who couldn't hear, they have an encounter with Jesus and they can hear. It even says in the Bible, people who had died, Jesus had an encounter with them, they came back to life again. And so that is why Mary and Martha sent for Jesus in this time of need. But it's really interesting, I don't know if you noticed it just at the end of those verses, and this is uh, just something I just want to highlight very, very briefly, but it says this. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Just really, really interesting to me. It's a bit annoying as well, actually, because it, it says very clearly that Jesus loved this family, but he doesn't immediately go to ease their suffering or their distress. He, had, he actually waits two days longer before he goes. So, so Lazarus, who's quite ill, he waits. In actual fact, in, in past times, Jesus didn't even go to heal someone. When it came to the centurion's servant, he just said the word where he was and the servant was raised up. But, but here Jesus actually seems to wait. I don't think he waits to prolong their suffering, although that is the result of the waiting. He waits so that they might see who he truly is. He waits so that God might be fully glorified. And sometimes that's quite provoking, particularly for us as Christians, when we're caught in difficult circumstances. And we think, well, God, you should just answer. You should just turn up. You should just take it all away, straight away. But sometimes that's not what God's got on his first agenda, our comfort. Sometimes he's got another plan, his glory, and what he wants to do. It's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So let's just work our way briefly through um, these passages. The first thing I want to look at here is, who is Jesus? Who is he? So after two days, 
Jesus heads down to Bethany, and this is what it says. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So it's got a lot worse for Lazarus. He's, he's died from this sickness. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Jesus arrives. He actually, it seems, arrives late. He arrives after Lazarus has died. But what I notice with Martha is, although there, there is at one point, in one way, real grief, she also mixes it with real faith. Her, her response is absolutely incredible. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And J Jesus' response is actually, again, you know, Jesus, Jesus doesn't always respond the way we want him to. And, and Jesus' response to Martha here is, is not, is not to explain why he was late. You know, he didn't say, well, on the way down from Jerusalem, there was this terrible accident. There was this jackknife donkey on the road, held everything up. I spent hours trying to... He didn't, he didn't say anything like that. He made a declaration of who he is. He says, Martha, I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm going to explain to you who I am. And Jesus said to her this, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And in the midst of tragic circumstances, Jesus makes this astonishing statement. I'm the resurrection. I am the life. I'm not just talking about it. I'm not just pointing to it. He says, I am. Too much Easter egg. Let me go back for dramatic effect. He says, I'm not just pointing towards it. He said, I am. I am. That phrase, I am, is really significant. It, Jesus is making it clear here that he says, I am, I am God. Jesus was saying, I'm not just a miracle worker. I'm not just an amazing teacher. I'm not just a good man. I'm certainly not a fraud. I am God. Both resurrection and eternal life are only found in a personal trust and relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what he's saying. He's saying it to Martha. Genuine faith in Christ brings us into Jesus. Our, um, J.C. Ryle says this, a Christian writer. Jesus is not merely some human teacher of the resurrection, but the divine author of it. Jesus was saying to Martha in this midst of tragedy and grief, I am God. I am the resurrection and the life. And it's so important that we understand here today who this Jesus is. He wasn't just a good man. He wasn't just a very gifted man. He wasn't someone with some sort of spiritual power who could heal people. He was, he is God. He is the resurrection and he is the life. 
And the decision we make on the basis of that information has eternal consequences for every single person here. Martha needed to understand this truth, and so do we. The second thing I want to look at here, though, and we pick it up in verse 32 of chapter 11, is, well, does Jesus care? I mean, you, you, might be, you might be sat here today thinking, to be honest with what I'm going through at the moment, and okay, it's okay knowing that truth, but, but with what I'm facing at the moment, I just want to know, does anyone care? Does he care? Verse 32 says this. Now, when, Mar- when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Pretty much exactly the same statement that her sister Martha had made. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. If Martha leads with a question, Mary leads with emotion. And you know that's absolutely fine. That's how God's made us. In a sense, she's saying, don't you care, Jesus? Where were you? Don't you care the pain that I'm facing at the moment? And the response that Jesus made was this. It says he was deeply moved in spirit and greatly troubled. The sense of these phrases is he was shaken, he was upset, he was disturbed. In actual fact, he was outraged. And then in verse 35, it says, Jesus wept. You see, God does not stand aloof from our problems. He doesn't stand at a distance and look on with indifference. God cares. We worship a compassionate God. Jesus reveals that in these verses here. God draws near to us in our time of sadness and he offers compassion and he brings strength. You might think, why, why on earth, why, why was he so disturbed? Just three quick reasons. I think he saw the suffering of Mary and that moved him. I think he also saw the calamity of sin. He saw the deep effects of sin that had led to death. He saw the brokenness of humanity. He saw the evil that existed in the world and that moved him. The full effects of human rebellion. But I wonder as well if he also had an eye on the cost of redemption. In just a few short weeks, Jesus would be hung on a cross to pay the price for human rebellion. He, he would be the way that a broken world was put back together properly so we could have a relationship with God. And I wonder, not, not the agony of the crucifixion, but the, the cost of carrying the wrath of God at our sin. I wonder if that was weighing on on him as well. Compassion for others, the calamity of sin, the cost of redemption. That The reason I want to highlight that God cares is because for so many of us, we can blame God for the bad things that happen. 
You know, when bad things happen, we don't understand and we say, well, well, it must be God's fault. He, he doesn't care that he is disinterested. But that is just so not true. We worship a God who cares. And he cares for each of you. Just as he was moved by compassion for Mary, he cares about you. I, I don't know your story. I don't know what's going on in your life today. But God does. And he loves you that much he sent Jesus for you in order to make a way that you can know him. We have one who can not only empathize with our pain, but we have one who came to bring an end to it as well. So can he help? Can Jesus help? Well, picking it up in verse 38. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odour. It's, it's going to smell. It's, it's not going to be nice. For he's been dead for four days. Just moving it down a few more verses. When he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice. This is Jesus. Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. We find Jesus asking for the tomb to be opened up. It's the same, I guess, as a coffin being dug up after four days. He says, open the tomb up. Martha protests, says, no, 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 I'm not going to, you know, don't do it. It's going to smell. It's not going to be nice. But she does. Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the wonder is that he appears, still bound in the linen strips that had formerly covered his dead body, but now walking around. I don't know how he walked. I don't know how he found his way out. I don't know what his first thoughts were or what he could glimpse as the light shone through the bandages that were over his eyes, but he started to walk. He started to come back to life. Someone who had been dead for four days had come alive. Jesus truly is the resurrection and the life. He truly is the author of life himself, able to change these things right around we see the power of God even over death and sickness. And this, though, is just a foretaste. Just a foretaste of what was going to happen a few weeks later. When it was going to be Jesus who died. When it was going to be Jesus who was buried. When it was going to be Jesus who was resurrected from the dead by the power of God. Jesus was Lazarus' resurrection and life. But you know what? He wasn't just Lazarus's resurrection and life. He was Martha's and he was Mary's as well. And he's also yours as well today. He is your resurrection and life. You, you may not feel like it, although for some of you may do, having lost an hour's sleep, you're like dead Lazarus in the grave. You cannot make yourself alive. This is what the Bible says. We've gone our own way. We've fallen short of God's glory. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot put ourselves back in a right relationship with God. We need someone who can breathe life into us, who can give us a fresh start, who can give us a second chance like Lazarus. That's what Jesus came to do. 
He came to carry the weight of our sin. The judgment that should have been mine, that should have been yours, went on Jesus. That we might go scot-free, not paying a, a, a jot or a tittle of it. Not even a little bit. That won't be in the evening meeting for certain. But he paid, he paid the whole price. And Jesus didn't stay dead in a tomb. You can go looking in tombs in the Middle East, you will never find Jesus' body. Why? Because we know three days later, what we celebrate on Easter Sunday is he was resurrected from the dead. And he appeared to over 500 people. He ate with people, he spoke with people. He wandered around. The, the, the Pharisees didn't know what to do. If they could have found his body, they'd have dragged it out. But they couldn't. Why? Because he was resurrected from the dead. The Romans tried to look for a dead body. They couldn't find it. Why? Because Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. And timid followers of Jesus who had, had been crouching in fear when they realized that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead became as bold as lions. And if he hadn't been resurrected from the dead, they wouldn't have changed like that. I proclaim to you today, Jesus Christ, resurrected from the dead, hope for you today, just as he was hope for Lazarus 2,000 years ago. It has not changed. The truth is as true today as it was then. For some of you this morning, just as Jesus said to Lazarus, he declared to Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. That's exactly what is going on in your heart today. God is saying to you this morning, whatever your name is, it is time to come out and follow Jesus. You know it's God at work because you're feeling incredibly uneasy right now. You're thinking, oh no. It's as though God is starting to awaken you on the inside to what he is doing. That's the Holy Spirit at work within you. Come out, come alive understand things you've not understood. It's all been gobbledygook. But even this morning as I've been talking, you think, this is, this is real. Just as Mike said, it starts to become clear, it's real. I believe this is true. You need to know who Jesus is. You need to know who he is and what he has done. You need to know that he cares about you. And you need to know he has power to change your life. And just as Lazarus started to stand up, life power entered his body as he walked out of the tomb that's what God has got in mind for you this morning can I invite the band back up please do you know who Jesus is do you know what he came to do if you do you then have a decision in front of you today Will I give my life to following this one? Like Mike did. He made, there was a point for him. He made a decision. I'm now following Jesus. I'm putting him first in my life. Used to be other stuff first in my life, but no, I'm following Jesus. That is, that's the foundation of the Christian faith, knowing who Jesus is, making a decision to follow him. That's called putting your faith in him and allowing God to come and change you and bring you life to you why don't we stand I'm just going to pray
Jesus, I want to say thank you. You are the resurrection and the life. Thank you for hundreds of us here this morning. We know that to be true. Whether it's 50 years ago or a few months ago, we know you are the resurrection and the life. And I thank you so much that you picked us out. Just like with Lazarus, you spoke to us. You said, come out, follow me. And I thank you at that moment, life entered into us and we were able to respond to you. We are so grateful that you would ever pick us. I just ask you right now, I pray for those right now who are suffering and in difficulty, would they know your compassion filling their lives afresh right now? I ask for those in this place right now and you're working in their hearts. I pray, Lord God, would you continue that work, continue to reveal who you are, continue to reveal how you're working. And I pray, Lord God, at the end, would you give them the boldness to come and find me or Santino and talk to us about what God's doing in their lives. Come and have your way, we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. If I could ask you just to take your seats, please, as we're going to sing a song to you.